Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. I'm joined by what may be a familiar face to you and Billy Derrick, who's going to be part of our show this year. Very excited about that. Billy and I are going to talk about fall camp. We are doing this on Monday morning. Vanderbilt opens practice because it's got a week zero game with Hawaii, Billy. Can you believe we are two days away I can't from covering it. football season? We were at media days last week. We'll, we'll get into that. I didn't actually put that on the checklist, but we probably ought to do that for a minute. And we're going to talk about our plans for the year on the show, that those are going to look different and, and better, I believe. I strongly believe the latter. And and then get into some fall camp previews. We'll also have this on our audio podcast feed. Going forward, we're going to be doing video and audio. So you can get us on YouTube. And if you've not subscribed there, you need to. You can also get us on all the podcast feeds we've been on. Or you can get the episode from The War Room where we'll have the audio there. But in any case, Billy, just thrilled to have you able to join us. I did an episode with Luke Wyatt midsummer. I said, hey, look, guys, the podcast is going to have to look a lot different next year. I just don't have the time anymore. And I had two guys in mind that were going to help me with this. One was Joey Dwyer. The other was you. You didn't know it yet, but but you were <laughs> on my list of, of people to reach out to. And unfortunately, that was an easier yes than I thought. But if you guys don't know who Billy is, he has been like, I, you started a, I don't know, a talk show when you were, what, 14 or something? Yeah, 15 years old. Yeah. Yeah, so up in, here. Yeah, in my mom's basement, I was, you know, Saturday mornings, waking up on Saturday mornings and previewing Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Notre Dame games, sending it out to, yeah. you know, five or ten of my aunts and uncles. <laughs> and then, of course, podcasting evolved into, you know, posting it on YouTube and podcast feeds. And it, it's funny, I, I didn't know it, but I was kind of one of the, the first people to even think about doing a podcast, which I didn't think much of in the moment, but you know, it's, it's something I've always enjoyed doing, interacting with people. Um, and now it's, uh, it's, it's more Vanderbilt focused. So, um, uh, I I'm excited, Chris. Yeah. And I considered it an honor to be on your show. Uh, I remember you did yeah, you were one about of them, it yeah. in, in the paper <laughs> and I thought I need, I, I feel like I've made it when I've been on B Billy Derrick's show <laughs> and eventually you had me on and, and now you started a podcast called the door report that I think is still running it'll be yep. under other management you're, you're going to merge a lot of what you do here with us and, and so again the season is going to look a lot different and look we we need to pay the bills there's a lot of things going on I mean yeah every time we go to practice that's gas money for me you add that up you know 50 60 times a year for, for practices games whatever I'm there for that adds up you know paying babysitters Billy's got bills to pay so we're still looking for sponsors we've added a couple that we will announce probably in the, in the coming week or so. Uh, but we're still looking for more. We're looking for a, a, a sponsor for football season, and that'll get your name on everything. We're going to make a lot of our content at the site free this year for football if we can get that sponsored in addition to these podcasts, which are free. But, Billy, if our season goes well, we've, we've kind of done. I'm going to let the folks know what it's going to look like this year because podcasts have been very uneven. I've, I've told people I've just gotten to the point where – I've got so many things going on that it's hard for me to get to them all. And I want that to be different this year. And, and that's our plan. I think we will have a show up Mondays. It, it actually is probably going to be up on Saturdays during game day. We're looking, still doing a post-game football show. 
that'll be interactive. It'll be on YouTube. We'll put that up as a podcast later. My guess is that's going to be Monday's content. Tuesday, I will probably do something from Clark Lee's press conferences. Wednesday's maybe chats with Luke White. And Thursday's, I think I'm going to turn over to you for to do a sort of a, a pregame show for us where we might have on a beat writer from the other school, maybe talk recruiting. I'll have you probably have Andrew Allegretta or Kevin Ingram or somebody on. So my guess is we're going to have about four episodes during the week. We might do a fifth. Um, we might incorporate that in some other things, but as basketball season gets close, we have a fall baseball series. We will find other ways to talk about those things. We may splice them into existing episodes. We might just do separate episodes and maybe some weeks you'll get five podcasts or something like that. Um, Anyway, again, some of this is going to hinge on our ability to be able to pull it off. But uh, having you around to help me with that is is going to be great. And just let folks know, you're going to get, if all goes according to plan, a lot more episodes this year as we formally kick off Season 9. And that's my favorite part about this, Chris, the, the flexibility that, uh, that you're giving me. Uh, you know, you give Joey some flexibility to – Basically, hey, if you want to write something, write it. You know, if you want to, if you want to, uh, you know, do a, a fall practice report, do it. You know, be, because I think Vanderbilt fans uh, need that and they want that, quite frankly. Um, and I think, I think that's that's what's going to separate Vandy sports now from the past is is that added benefit of uh, more eyes and and more more people going to press conferences, more people at the games. Uh, and and Chris, my, I'm excited for uh, maybe some of the potential, uh, you know, different different outlooks, you know. But I mean, we've got you know three four people that that'll be locked into the games uh, with post game shows. I'm sure some fans will will want to interact a- after those games. And um, you know, I, with a guy like Luke Wyatt, who I have a ton of respect for, is uh, is is somebody else that we will lean on heavily. Um, and of course, Joey will uh, will be back in town. So. That's what I'm excited for, the, just the flexibility that uh, that you have given us. Um, and, and I think Vanderbilt fans will notice that. And, and, and hopefully, you know, the, the, the teams, like, you know, the Vanderbilt football coaching staff, the baseball coach, basketball, they all note, okay, this, they're doing great coverage, you know, and, and you know, we want to continue to win and, and continue to help support them as well. So, um, yeah, th- there's a ton of plans, Chris. Uh, hopefully we, we can execute all the plans we want. Uh, but again, it's, it's, uh, it's right on us. It's, it, it, this is, this is the week where it all starts. Yeah. And as I've said before, you've always had big plans, but you've got to have resources of, of time and money and people to do it. And I think we've started to put some of the first pieces of the puzzle together. Um, again, we, we are going to need a little bit more financial support than we've got. We have kind of done this on a little bit of a leap of faith. So here's a few things. We're still looking for sponsors you can reach out to me at chrislee70 at gmail.com and inquire there. Our rates are very reasonable for businesses. We usually find that it needs to be somebody that's interested in a Vanderbilt-related product. Um, you know, Whether you're a fan or, or somebody that's got interest in, in Vandy content, now our, our rates are reasonable and they're market-based pretty much, but it just seems like those are the sponsors that are the stickiest, the ones that actually listen to our content. So there's that. If you don't own a business or have a cause that you'd like to advertise, uh, there's a couple things you can do. You can buy a subscription. You can go to vandysports.com. It's $99 a year. It's the same it cost 20 years ago. So if you listen to the podcast regularly, I would ask you to do that to support us. Uh, that helps a lot. If you'd like to give it a little bit more, 
We will probably set up a Patreon account soon. I'm looking just to make sure that's the right move for us. But I've had several people reach out and say, how can we help? And and by the way, we're we're getting to actual football and sports content in a minute. (laughs) But since this is the start of the the season, I wanted to get those things out there because we we plan on bringing you more than we do. As Billy alluded to, we're probably going to be rolling three deep in the press box for games this year. Uh, We've got tentative plans to send you and Joey to Wake Forest, need some money to underwrite that, and maybe some other games. We're looking to, to underwrite trips to Hoover, to the College World Series, whatever, for a travel budget. So those are some things that people can help with, too. But I would say the first thing is, if you listen to this podcast and you haven't subscribed to the site, you, you do actually get some things there that you don't get here. You get a rolling update. Like, sometimes we may not do a podcast for a couple of days. Well, that's an eternity in recruiting or the transfer portal. And, and so when we've got news and things or just want to answer your questions, um, then, then that's what we're there for in the war room. So I, I think people find that a, a good spend of their money. If you haven't, or if you're sharing a sub, we, we would just ask you to please get your own because that that's money out of our pockets. But in any case, all right, Billy, you and I will be going to practice. What is it? Wednesday morning. Yeah. Yep. You and I will both be there. That's crazy. And you've always got in your head the things that you were looking for for the coming season. And and we both did a little bit of pre-show comparison. We were going to go into offense and defense. And we both had the same thing on offense as our top storyline and the same thing on defense as our top storyline. Now, we'll go into some other storylines, but I think to me, finding answers at running back has got to be number one on what we're looking to see in fall camp. No Ray Davis, Chris, and, and that, that's going to that's gonna play a factor this year, at least for the first half of this season. Now, there are guys back there, but there's no Ray Davis back there, right? You, you have a Cedric Alexander, a young guy that looked really good in the spring. You saw him. Uh, I, I was at the spring game as well. He, he ran well. He ran strong, but he's a freshman. So, you know, we'll see what we get from him. Chase Gillespie, Patrick Smith are a couple of older guys that have – have played but haven't haven't really proven themselves on the field. So I think that's what you're looking at right now, Chris Alexander. At least in my mind, you know maybe the the, the pecking order as we stand right now: Alexander, Gillespie, and Smith. But Chris, you've also got some young guys back there as well, some freshmen that are talented: Diego Benson, AJ Newberry, a guy like a Dylan Betts, Polly, who's a bigger style running back. So I, I wouldn't say you don't have depth; you just don't have proven depth, right? And, and so. You come back after you lose Ray Davis, and Chris, I, I think some Vanderbilt fans are going to realize, man, he was a really, really talented back. He's going to be an NFL back, and he's going to he he's going to he's going to surprise some Kentucky fans. I think now maybe a little bit of that surprise is is uh, isn't isn't coming for Kentucky fans because they saw him beat them <laughs> right in Lexington. So you know, I think they they are excited about him, and and they should be. Uh, but for Vanderbilt's perspective, Chris, I, I just think the running game is so big for A.J. Swan and, and his support, right? You need a guy that you can lean on back there, say it's third and five, third and six. You know, maybe maybe they're double teaming Will Shepard and you just you're not feeling confident in the passing game. Do you have a back that you can throw it in the backfield to and he can get those five, six yards? I think they're confident in Cedric Alexander. But again, he's a freshman. So that's why we both agreed, Chris, that the running back position is so important this year because of what you saw last year, and you're not going to get that this year. You're just not. You're not going to get the same production 
that you did in Ray Davis out of a guy like an Alexander or even Gillespie or Patrick Smith. Now, I could be wrong. I could be proven wrong there. Um, but, Chris, Ray Davis was really good, and Vanderbilt is going to miss him. How do they replace him? I think you look at you look at Alexander, and and, and that that's a guy that they they really liked. They liked in in the spring, but Chris, you also look at the tight ends. Does that mean more more work on the tight ends, right? And and it's it's probably bad news that Cole Spence is out for the season now with, with an injury. Justin Ball is, is likely going to be the guy there. You've also got a young guy in a Cameron Johnson. So the tight ends might also have to to be more active now that that Ray Davis is not there, but you look at that tight end spot and that's another, I think weakness uh, right now on that offense. So yeah, running back, Chris Alexander right now is the guy I'm looking at, but Patrick Smith ran well last year at times. I I think, and even the year before last, he kind of stepped up in that first year under Clark Lee and then Chase Gillespie, I think has, has, uh, has done well, you know, in his moments. So just no proven depth, but you've got guys that, if you're Clark Lee, you think you can you can hand the ball off to, and the and the and the most important thing there, Chris, is that they like their offensive line. I think they like the guys they have back. Now they, of course, they struggled to start the season last year. I think they found a groove last year uh, in that offensive line. So again, the running back is the I think the most important position on the offense this season for Vanderbilt because of what AJ Swan will need in support, right? And those, those receivers aren't always going to be able to be relied upon. So at the running back position, you've got to be able to help out that guy in A.J. Swan. I look at Alexander and then Gillespie and Smith behind him. Yeah, a, a good podcast co-host is, is the one that brings up all the things that were in the back of your head that you knew there was something back there you needed to talk about, and you just hit a lot of those. Uh, and I'm, I'm sitting here furiously scribbling notes as you're talking through things <laughs> to respond to them. I think Ray Davis, here's some interesting things on him, Billy. I think the places he's going to be missed are things that maybe people don't think about. Like Ray Davis was a a very good catcher out of the backfield. I don't know if Ray Davis had a drop last year or not. I don't really remember one. Ray Davis, I think, was pretty good at picking up blocking assignments. Now, the thing that I wondered about, and I saw Ray Davis rip off a lot of big runs in camp last year and said, holy cow, this guy's going to have a monster season. Or does that tell us more about speed on defense well I think we we kind of got our answer there Ray Davis's long run last year was 24 yards the year before it was 11 the year before it was 14. Uh, Ray Davis just was not a breakaway back and that's that's fine but it most teams in this league at the at the upper echelon have those guys Kentucky is going to and I'm, I'm not doing this to bag on Ray Davis but the drop from Chris Rodriguez to Davis is going to be significant there now Davis was more dependable I think in terms of just taking care of things, Rodriguez ended up suspended for Kentucky to start last season. Davis was was not a guy that had those kind of issues as far as I know at Vanderbilt, at least not to the point where he was suspended for any of them. So I think there are little things like that with Ray Davis that people are going to to miss, but that that they're not maybe it's going to be when AJ Swan gets killed on a, on a corner blitz that somebody didn't pick up a newer guy. But in terms of explosiveness, that is one place where they can get better. Maybe it's one of the freshmen uh, or someone like that, that, that can step in and, and rip off some big runs because that was one thing that was missing from their arsenal a year ago. That's a good point, Chris. And, you know, I, I failed to mention that, but this really hit me watching the Tennessee game last year. Uh, Tennessee has a couple of running backs in Jabari small and, uh, Jalen Wright, I think is his name. You know, they're they're 
Jabari Small's a big guy, but Chris, they are home run hitters. Like they and, and within that Tennessee offense, you spread it out, you hand it off to Small or right, and then boom, before you know it, they're in the end zone. And I think that not Vanderbilt knew they needed a guy like that, right? Every offense wants a home run hitter and a running back. But at least from my perspective, watching that Tennessee game, I said, man, I think Vanderbilt would love a back like a Jabari Small or a Jalen Wright where, okay, you've got Swan at the quarterback position. You spread it out, and then boom, you 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 get you find one crease and you're gone because of how spread out the defense is. So they just they weren't able to do that, Chris. And they haven't been able to do that in a long time. I, I think I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn is the last guy that was really a home run hitter for them. I think, and even Ralph Webb, he was a great back. I don't know if I'd call him a home run hitter, though, with, with that explosion where, you know, any time of, of a game, you can, you can have that. So it's a great point, Chris. I, I think Cedric Alexander is a guy that potentially, not maybe not the first half of the season, but develops, maybe gets a little bit bigger. And then by the second half of that season, he could be a candidate to be a home run type of guy. Now, probably not early on, uh, but yeah, watch, just watching that Tennessee game, Chris, at least from my perspective, that's when I said, okay, Van, if Ray Davis leaves, it may not end up being the worst thing in the world for Vanderbilt because then you're able to even play more within the the, the scheme that you want with A.J. Swan. Last year with, with Mike Wright, it's like Mike Wright and Ray Davis were perfect together, right? Mike Wright was was more of your home run hitter type guy, even though he didn't go go the distance too much, but he would. He would occasionally. Ray Davis, you know, he'd get you that five or six extra yards that you need, and they worked well together last year. Both those guys are gone. So, Chris, I think that's something we need to keep in mind, too, the, the, the change in, I don't know about scheme, but just change in philosophy, uh, potentially with with a, a quarterback like Swan and then a running back like an Alexander or even a, a Patrick Smith, who who could potentially be home run hitters for you. Well, one other thing worth mentioning with Ray Davis, and, and this is what kind of gets underrated, Vanderbilt is not going to play at the lightning fast pace that the Tennessee or Ole Miss does. It's just right. not built that way. And and really, and I used to be a little critical of Derek Mason for doing this. So I, I sound like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but it felt like when I'd go to practice and watch them run tempo, especially with Shermer, they were really good at it. They just didn't pull that out of their bag of tricks for whatever reason. And with Vanderbilt, I don't know that with this offense, that's the way you want to go. But one thing that Davis was was great about, right, the yards per carry were not great. But, Billy, if you get three yards, three yards, and After four contact. yards, what, well, well, what do you get? Do the math. You get – I mean, that's eventually a first down. That's a first down. <laughs> and, and there was a little bit of – you know, when Davis ran the ball, it wasn't – you know, some backs are – Minus five, minus two, 55. That that wasn't your thing with Ray Davis. It was going to be three, three, four, five, seven, whatever. And I don't know what the the tackle for loss numbers. I, I mean, I could look that up, but it seemed like Ray Davis didn't lose a lot of yards. So there is a little bit of an element of maybe what they want to do based on what they did a year ago. And, and let me pull this up because I've got the numbers here. Last year, Vanderbilt ran 66 offensive snaps on average, and it ran the ball 54% of the time. The year before, those numbers were 69 snaps a game and 47% runs. The year before, I didn't realize this. Vanderbilt averaged 70 snaps a game Mm. and ran it 49% of the time. That was the, oh, the one year under the coordinator, Todd Fitch. His name almost escaped me. 
Now, and they weren't very good. They averaged 3.6 yards a run play. Actually, last year, if you take sacks off, they actually averaged 4.7 to a run play, which isn't great. But again, the, the way that they got them, that helped to control clock. Uh, you right. go back to 2019, that was Mason's last – well, last full year he did he did coach twenty twenty, but not all of it. They only ran sixty two snaps a game in that wow. last year. With um, well, no, I'm sorry, that wasn't that was the year after Shermer. They ran sixty five snaps a game in twenty eighteen, and the run percentage is there forty eight percent and forty five percent. And again, a, a sack does not count as a running play. So th- those come on as passing plays in case you're doing the math and going, I'm a little bit off. But I, I do think that stylistically what Ray did, th- there's going to be some pluses. And I think whoever gets the ball, whether that's an Alexander, maybe a Gillespie, can can pick up the slack and, and maybe bust off a 30, 40, 50-yard run once in a blue moon, which wasn't a part of what they did a year ago. But I, I do wonder if anybody will be as effective – and just getting consistent first downs the way that, that Davis did. But my guy on the spot here, too, though, is Patrick Smith. Because I just was really disappointed in what he gave them a year ago. He started the season, I guess, with the de facto four-game suspension. Wasn't very effective. I think he averaged, what, 2.7 a carry when he played. Did not look any better in the spring. That's one I'm very interested to see if Patrick Smith looks more like the back he did two years ago, where I thought maybe they had something there. Or is he a guy that's just going to fade into the woodwork as some other younger guys get a shot and maybe outproduce him? Yeah, he's an interesting case study, Chris, to say the least, because you look back at that that uh, that freshman year, right? That was his freshman year with Clark Lee's uh, first season. So he was able to maintain that commitment from Smith. And, uh, you know, he he's he's been committed, it seems, from from the jump. And they had that great game in Gainesville uh, that Vanderbilt was, I think, eventually pummeled in. But yeah, last year was interesting. The, the first was it the first four games, Chris, that uh, that that Smith was out. Yeah, yeah. So they suspended four- him, and I think there were, there were a few other guys suspended for that one. I, I I've got some names in mind, but I don't want to name them in case I'm wrong. But there were there were what four or five guys that sat out the first. Well, yep. and a couple of those guys eventually got kicked off because let's remember too. They were planning on having Maurice Edwards as part of what they did. Exactly. Um, and, yeah. then, and then he got kicked off and, and never played a game. He and I think Daniel Martin got suspended right before Hawaii. Maybe I think it was something that maybe happened on that trip. And, yeah. and then I think there was a second infraction. Yeah. Or maybe third. And, and, I, and I was told, look, it's it's not just one thing with those guys. And I, I'll just leave it at that. Right. But – they, with, they did have some some parts last year there, and one in particular that I think we looked at. I watched his highlight film, thought, "Hey, this is going to be a kid that could be an answer here," and it just it never even got off the ground. Yeah, with, with Smith, Chris, it's interesting. You know, he's ever since that moment that that suspension where you know first four games of the year, you know, I, I'd look down and see him on the sideline. He he wasn't in a uniform, um, so I, I think that has probably taken a little bit of a toll, but. He's back this year. And I think that says something. I, I think the fact that he is is still on the roster uh, says a little bit about the you know we we always talk about this culture. Uh, you know he wants to be a part of of this this team and this culture. And um, you know maybe he's the guy that steps up, Chris. That there's just there's so many things that we don't quite know yet at the running back position. Maybe they don't redshirt either Benson or Newberry because I think they'll probably redshirt one of one of those guys. Uh, but there's so many options here that that's what makes it intriguing. And that's why it's one of our, 
it's it's one of our questions. Well, and of course, you can play four games and still get a red shirt. So you could even see those guys take turns. Maybe they red shirt them both, but maybe maybe one game one of them gets ten or twelve carries, especially if it's an early year blowout against a, an Alabama A and M or maybe Hawaii. For week one would be a tough spot to to put one of those guys in, unless you're way ahead, which that actually, of course, happened a year ago. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much interested to see where things shake out at the running back position because I think to sum it up, you, you lose some things with Ray Davis that maybe people aren't thinking about. But that explosive gear in this era of college football where Vanderbilt just has not had many explosive playmakers, maybe they get some answers there that they didn't a year ago. Okay, Billy, you mentioned tight ends. And look, I was at just about every spring practice this year, and Cole Spence was a man. He was hard to cover. He's six foot. Seven two hundred and fifty ish, and just was a guy that really he was trouble when the ball got in the air and he was open. I thought Cole Spence was going to be a guy that could catch thirty balls for them this year. I don't know how many balls that whole position is going to catch. Justin Ball's been around a while, but has never really been a a guy that they used extensively as a receiver. Logan Kyle's a kid who came here as a receiver a couple years ago that I thought would produce. And I don't know that Logan Kyle's got five career catches. They they bulked him up. They've got him playing tight end. He's not the tallest of tight ends. I think he'll be more of a, a slot tight end kind of guy where he's going to be counted on more to catch balls. And Logan Kyle, I thought, flashed some good things in the spring. But he was so far off the, the radar – in terms of being able to help them receiver the last few years, in terms of actual snaps he got in games, that begs some questions about how much do they trust him. Uh, now that they're in a world of hurt at that position, maybe Logan Kyle gets some some snaps by default and does something. I don't know. I, th- I think there's a guy that can help them a little bit in there. I'm not saying he's going to be all SEC, but I'm interested to watch that. And, and the other thing, and I asked Clark Lee this privately at the media session we had him last week. I said, okay, what's that mean with your tight end situation? Does that mean you go more four wides or things like that? And, and he gave me – he wasn't trying to be evasive, but he didn't really answer the question clearly. So I'm wondering – and maybe it's something they just don't know. Maybe they get into camp and they go, man, we don't like any of our tight ends that much. Uh, and and – by default, they go four wides more, or, or, or maybe two backs, maybe use a fullback at some point. I, I'm very interested to see how the Cole Spence injury, and, and, and it's not just that, too, right, Billy? Because last year, they used two tight end sets a lot. Yep. You saw a lot of Ben Bresnahan and Gavin Schoenwald. That shift from, okay, now we've lost two guys that played a lot of ball and know where to be and what to do, and we're going to a guy that's more talented than either one of them, but he's not been around. He doesn't know as much stuff, but he might be more of a receiving threat than these guys were. Uh, now to this whole Cole Spence is not there, so now what's that look like given what's left or, or maybe maybe not left might be a wet, better way to put it. Yeah, and I think Vanderbilt fans are hoping this doesn't turn into a tradition unlike any other right before the season with a big injury to a young guy that you're excited about, right? Last year it was Miles Capers uh, out, out for the season with a torn ACL, so you got to find a way to replace him. This year, it's Cole Spence, a six foot seven, two hundred fifty pound guy that they were pumped about. I mean, you, you've talked to them about it, Chris. He, he's a guy that they had high expectations for. Now he was going to be a sophomore, right? So, you know, I, I think there's a ceiling there, 
But I look at the tight end position. Justin Ball's a guy that's been here seemingly forever uh, that, again, hasn't caught many balls, but he's going to have to step up uh, this season because of Cole Spence being out. But Chris, this and this might be one of my, I'm going to do a, uh, a five burning questions he- heading into fall camp. And th- this tight end position is going to be one of them. And I'm going to bring up Cameron Johnson, the freshman who decommitted from Georgia Southern. He's 6'5", about 220 pounds. I think he's a kid that they really like and they project he's got the traits to maybe even potentially be an NFL type guy. Now he's going to be a freshman. So they may have to accelerate accelerate that with him other than those two guys, Chris. You're right. It's it's Logan Kyle and and then you've got some other guys down there, Chris Boyle, Joshua Palmer who are freshmen, but I mean right now it's it's Justin Ball, Logan Kyle and Cameron Johnson for me. And I, I just I, I think when you look at that tight end room, it reminds you of the running back room, right? You lost Gavin Schoenwald and you lost Ben Bresnahan, two guys that, quite frankly, for Vanderbilt fans this year, they might they might miss, you know. And and I don't know that we were expecting to say that this season, right? But all of a sudden, Cole Spence goes down, and you got to figure some things out at, at that position. So with tight ends. It's interesting because Vanderbilt has traditionally not really featured their tight end a whole lot, uh, but I, I think that's something Clark wants to do. And and I just he may not have the guy yet. I think that guy could be Cole Spence in the future, but unfortunately he's out for the season. But they may have to accelerate the the growth and development of a guy like Camry and Johnson, who they are excited about. So keep an eye on him, maybe down the stretch of the season to be. I don't know, maybe a C.J. Taylor type of guy that kind of bursts onto the scene and you're like, oh, where'd this guy come from? Well, look at Vanderbilt's recruiting staff. I think I think this is going to be a year where down the stretch of the season, you'll see some freshmen and maybe even some sophomores step into roles that people are like, I, you know, I didn't even know that guy, right? I didn't know he was on the roster. So I, Cameron Johnson is one of my candidates to be a guy like that. But it's going to be interesting, Chris. Th- this, this tight end position, I think it's a great question you asked Coach Lee how do they ship, right? You had Schoenwald and Bresnahan last year. They're both gone, and now Cole Spence is out. There, there's some questions to be answered there. So I think that that's a good question and, and a question that I have heading into fall camp. Yeah, I'm going to pump the brakes on that one a little bit, and it's nothing to do with, with Cameron Johnson. It's just I'm trying to think how many times I've seen a tight end come in and, and really be a factor year one. Right. And it's because Billy, you got two things to do. Like you got to be a blocker, and you've also got to be a receiver, mm-hmm. and and that's a lot of stuff to learn. No, maybe they say he can do one, and we'll put him in in passing situations, or he can do the other. We'll put him in in running situations and get the most out of him. But I, I just historically speaking, that that hasn't happened. But maybe he's either the outlier, or, or maybe he's the outlier because they have no other choice. Right, right. And well, at the tight end position, Chris. It's different than the wide receiver position, right? At the, if you if you have a young tight end that you're not quite ready to throw out on the field yet, you can say, okay, we're simply not going to feature a receiving tight end as much, right? And so you don't you can make that decision. So that's they've got a decision to make, right? Do you do you accelerate the growth of a guy like Cameron and Johnson, or do you simply play a guy like a Justin Ball and then a Logan Kyle and you know work, work with those older guys and work with what you have? So tight end position, they've got a lot of decisions to make, Chris, but I think the tight end position is one of the more important ones because, you know, in today's day and age, if you've got an athletic tight end, it is a weapon. I think they thought they had that potentially in a guy like Cole Spence. Of course, 
the, uh, the the tradition continues of the bad tradition for Vanderbilt fans continues of, of a guy going down that they were excited about right before the season. So, yeah, that, that's that's a burning question indeed. We haven't really touched on on the other groups. I'll go offensive line quickly. You know, they get what four starters back if you consider. Delphin Xavier Castillo, a starter. I think he was hurt some of last year. I think he would be one of their best five. You'll see Gunnar Hansen at left tackle. Junior Uzebo, who is one of the few sixth-year guys on the team, will, will be the, the starter at right tackle, presumably. They've got Julian Hernandez back for his third year at starting center. That's a little bit of a luxury. I think you'll see some guys um, will probably step up and take a bigger role, maybe some second- and, and third-year players. I'm thinking Grayson Morgan's a guy that needed a year for bulk last year, that they've always liked him. He's probably going to slot in somewhere. Uh, I I, I think it feels like they shifted him around a lot in the spring. I'm I'm doing that part from memory. But, I mean, I've seen him play center. I think I've seen him play maybe some some right tackle or guard. So that's something to watch for. Here's another storyline for you, Billy. Receiver. We talked about the the tight end situation and do they go more four wide. And I really want to know, Who's their number two? Shepard's clearly their number one. And if he were to get hurt, uh, that would be problematic, And which is probably one reason we didn't see him a lot in the spring. They, they held him out for load management. But sometimes you see Quincy Skinner look like he could be a big factor. Sometimes you see that out of Gamarian Carter. So to me, which of those two guys steps up and, and is the third guy? McGowan is, I guess, I would think their second leading receiver just because he did it last year, he's in the slot with his less competition. But to me, does one of those guys pop? Do, do they just do this timeshare where we look up the end of the year and both of them have caught 300 yards worth of balls? Or does one of them jump up and, and catch six or 700 yards worth of passes? Or, or do both of them step up because of the tight end situation? That, to me, is kind of a point of interest. No doubt, no doubt, Chris, and, and this is uh, this is a better problem to have for, for Vanderbilt fans at, at the receiver position. You've got depth, and I I, I want to say it's proven depth. I mean, you saw what Will Shepard did last year. You saw what Jade McGowan did as a freshman last year, and then Quincy Skinner Jr. had some flashes, especially that South Carolina game in particular, where he would make some plays. And even Chris Gamarion Carter is a guy that in that Missouri touchdown. I mean, I I don't think anyone saw that coming. So you know, with his speed. He's another guy that you can feature in that offense. But I look at Quincy Skinner as a guy that may be being underrated in the eyes of Vanderbilt fans and, and, and fans in the SEC because he hasn't gotten his opportunity yet, right? I mean, he, he well, I, I say that. He played last year, but he hasn't. Um, I don't know that he was featured in the way he might have wanted to, might have wanted to last year in that offense. So that points to him potentially having some success this year in a role where, okay, You've got Shepard, say he's double teamed and he's just not having his way one game. And then Jaden McGowan, they're kind of locking down the slot. All of a sudden, the defense might forget about a guy like Skinner. So I think his his position to step into that number two role, uh, that, that could happen. But yes, statistically, Chris, Jaden McGowan, you, you could say going by the stats, is that that second guy. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you, you got the first guy, right? You got the first guy in Will Shepard. And I think it'll be interesting. What is Gamarion Carter? Turn, turn into what, what does Davion Walker turn into a young another young guy they're excited about and the junior Cheryl London Humphrey so they've got they've got really good with the linebacker position I like that receiver group to be maybe that second second position group to be 
the team, the, the group that has the most depth, at least. Yeah, I want to talk quarterbacks because that's the last position group we have not hit on offense. But just one more wrap-up. I guess I would say it this way if I'm looking for storylines, it's consistency. You saw Jaden McGowan came out like a house on fire last year. Didn't really do much the second half. I think Jaden McGowan caught under 100 yards of passes the second half of the season. Maybe just wasn't used to the workload. I don't know what the reason was or wasn't, but and we talked about Carter. We've talked about Skinner. Both those guys have flashed, but neither of them have ever put it together for a couple of games ahead of time. So to me, it's going to be developing consistency among those guys, or does, does somebody like a London Humphrey step up and, and pass him? I would bet against that just because that, that rarely happens. Even Jordan Matthews didn't, didn't do much as a true freshman. So I, I would pump the brakes on expectations for newcomers there just based on experience of, of having watched right. 20 years of these now. But that, that's something to watch. Quarterbacks, here's the thing that's – and this isn't fair, right? Uh, because I'm, I'm not – I'm not making an assessment of this guy's character or fitness – not character, but fitness for the position. But you see that sophomore slump for a lot of guys in a lot of sports. They've, they've come out – the hype train has started for A.J. Swan. I've been responsible for a lot of that. And I think everything I've said – I wouldn't take any of it back because the talent's there, but the production wasn't in terms of throwing touchdowns and things against the upper end teams. You know, he did a lot of that damage. Four of his 10 touchdowns were against Northern Illinois. So I want to see some production against some other teams, but th th there's a lot of expectations on AJ Swan's shoulders. And how does he respond to that in fall camp? Does, does he, he was pretty good with the ball. I mean, there there were there were times where Swan would throw a few picks in, in practice. There were times he would look like he was a world beater the next one. You could see exactly why the coaching staff liked him. So to me, it's kind of what AJ Swan do we get? And again, I think the kid's got all the talent in the world. Was super impressed with what he was able to do as a true freshman. But I want to see what it looks like when they hit the field Wednesday. Exactly. And Chris, for for Vanderbilt fans, Swan is a guy that you know, you, you've seen the flashes, right? It's just like a, a, a Jaden McGowan, right? And, and you've seen the flashes. He has done things that, you know, Vanderbilt, I don't think Vanderbilt fans expected from him last year. I mean, let, let's be frank. I think they knew he was talented. But, I mean, coming back to, to win that game at NIU, I mean, he, he led the charge there. So, for, for Vanderbilt fans, they're confident that he can do it. Can he, get, can he become consistent, right? Can, and can he be a leader of the offense? Can he be that vocal leader as a sophomore right that's I mean that that's that's rare Chris to I mean, like you've seen guys in the SEC like like an Aaron Murray I remember as a young guy would looked like a great leader uh but it it really is rare for a sophomore to come in and and really take hold just be, he's he's given the keys and and we'll see what he's going to do with it I think everyone should be confident right I mean you, you've talked about the talent Chris he's he's just he's fun to talk about because you haven't seen a talent like this at Vanderbilt since a Shermer, since a Cutler. I mean, it, it, and that's that's real. That's true. You don't get this type of guy very often at Vanderbilt. Uh, but it feels like every every eight to ten years, maybe you know, in that range, you you might find a guy. And you've got to take advantage of him. And, and I think that's the challenge for the coaching staff as well, right? How do you put AJ Swan in the best position to succeed? So there's challenges on Swan. There's challenges on the coaching staff. But also, there's more pressure on the running backs now to to help out AJ Swan. There's pressure on those receivers, right? They make a big drop, 
that the margin is still small. So I, I think that's something to, to, to keep in mind. But Chris, I, I'm excited to see how bigger, how much bigger he's gotten. I think that was something maybe take some of the baby fat off of, you know, the high school, uh, the, the fat and really kind of make him able to stand up to a lot of those SEC pass rushers because the SEC pass rushers aren't getting any smaller. And you know that, that's that's something that Vanderbilt, I, I think, has tried to do with him. Basically, hey, you know, you're going to get hit, right? You're, you're, and you're going to have to stand back up for us, right? You're going to have to get back up. Now, of course, head injuries are a different situation, and that's what he struggled with last year. Um, but yeah, I, I just think health, health, and consistency, Chris. I, I just, I think those are the two things to watch with, with AJ Swan heading into fall camp. Well, you, you said it's in every eight to 10 years, and I think that's probably about right. And and my history goes back to, I think the first fall camp I covered was Jay Cutler's sophomore year. So I didn't see what it looked like for him the minute he hit campus. But I'll tell you this, Kyle Shermer, when he reported as a true freshman, I didn't see anything out of him fall camp that made me think this guy's going to get the job. Whatever work progress was made for him well, well first of all I, I think it was a, a case they just didn't have another guy that was any good and second of all he took a leap between when he first hit the field I think that started against I think Missouri and then basically once he got the job he held on to it but I didn't see anything like that out of Kyle Shermer uh, that I saw out of AJ Swan so that that's the thing that got my attention the only other guy that I've seen like that is the other quarterback on the roster and that's Ken Seals which is if it doesn't go well for A.J. Swan, if he gets hurt again or whatever reason, uh, I, I think people sleep on Ken Seals a little bit because he's he looked pretty good to me in the spring. He did. He did. And, and Chris, he's he's been here, and he, and he loves this coaching staff. He loves the culture that Clark Lee has built at Vanderbilt. And for Ken Seals, I, you know, I, don't, I hate making predictions before the season, but I would be willing to bet he's going to play this year <laughs> and, and maybe start a game. Like, that... that I think that's just where this 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 roster is at in terms of protecting uh protecting Swan. Right? I I just now that could that could change, right? I think the O-line that that's a question for me. I how does how are they able to protect Swan? Because if if they can and Swan stays healthy the whole year, that's an added bonus. I mean, that that's like a that's like an icing on the cake, Chris. That I mean, that's hard to do. So with with Seals to have a guy like that that loves Vanderbilt, loves the coaching staff, and knows the offense, he's been there. I mean, he was he was there all all last season, Chris. And I mean, you 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 know know him well, right? And and he's a guy that I think you can't sleep on in maybe producing this year because of uh, necessity. And uh, I mean, other than than Seals, you've also got a guy like a Walter Taylor who also looked really good um, in, in the fall and. Say seals might go down, so I just think you look down, and you know you've even you even look at a guy like a Drew Dickey, who I think they like. So I think they like that quarterback room, Chris. There's, I think last year there were still maybe some questions about, okay, who's going to start? What are you going to get out of Mike Wright? What what does this freshman Swan kid look like? What's Seals's you know health situation and everything? Is is he going to be on the roster? There's not as many questions. I, I think you know what you're going to get at least for the most part. You know those first four, five games with Swan, uh, but after that, you also know what you're going to get from Seals. You're going to get a consistent arm who has produced at a high level in the SEC. So there's really, I mean, there's not a whole lot to worry about at the quarterback position, other 
then the biggest thing, keeping Swan healthy, how do they do that? Can they do that? Right. They're, they're, those are the questions there. Well, and, and Dickey will go into the fall as their three, and I think he's a solid guy. People have suggested they move Walter Taylor to tight end. I, I don't think they need to do that. Walter Taylor's a talented player. Got a big arm. I don't know what it looks like. I mean, you may not see Walter Taylor take a snap till 2024. Uh, that's that's my guess. But I, I just think sometimes, and you've seen this more with Will Levis's, with Joe Milton's, with guys like sometimes it takes three or four. Hendon Hooker, perfect example. Hooker was what 25 last year for Tennessee, yeah. and and really wasn't a guy when he jumped in the portal. Was everybody was screaming, "Oh, the, the Vols found them one there." Uh, so I, I would say be, be patient. Don't sleep on Walter Taylor and, and don't get eager to, to move him somewhere else. Cause I think there might be something there. It just may be a little further down the line. All right, Billy defense. And we, man, we've taken a long time. Uh, <laughs> I said, I said, this would be probably a 45 minute podcast before we did this. We're already on 45 minutes. We have not gotten to the defense and we've not rolled out the mailbag, both of which we've got to do. It must be so, football season. It must be football season. Corner. Uh, I was worried about that with Jadeus Richard. He is now transferred. He's gone to Miami. Tyson Russell presumably will be the guy that will step in opposite B.J. Anderson, which I would say don't sleep on B.J. Anderson. He's a guy that didn't play for two years because of injuries that they told me before last season. We think B.J. Anderson's got some talent. We're really excited about maybe maybe having him stay around for sixth year. They told me this before last season. That is how it has panned out. But I think it's going to be any number of of other corners. Like, does Russell step up and and keep the job? Is it Gumbo Gaskins? Is it Trudell Berry? Is it Jamison Wharton? Uh, safety. You know, I, I think we've seen Sandy Anola and Uga Chukwu both play mostly safety. I want to say one of them might have played a little nickel. They all run together after a while when you see so many practices. They do, but yeah. T- to me, it is, can, can they find two solid starting corners and, and which of the second-year guys is the most likely to to step up and be a factor? And I just don't have real clarity on that as we do this before fall camp. Yeah, and from what we've seen, Chris, these these first few years under Clark Lee, you know, he's going to reward a a veteran that has been through the program and he's going to present that that player with an opportunity. But he's also not going to be afraid to to replace him, right? J- just as quick as he names him the the starter in game 1. So, just because if you you know, say you're you're Tyson Russell or BJ Anderson and I would if I'm if I was a betting man, I'd say those two guys will probably start against Hawaii. Injuries could happen, other guys could step up, but you know, I think if I was throwing anything out there, that's what I would say. But a caveat to that, just as quick as Clark names them the starter for game one, a guy like a Martel Height could step in and replace him if they don't like the performance of Russell. Same thing with a Trudell Berry, right? I mean, there's there's young guys back there that will fight and, and scratch and claw and compete for playing time, and that's a great problem to have. Well, not it's not even a problem. I mean, that that's competitive depth. Right. That 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 Chris and you've talked about this. You've told you've ta- told me this in person. They haven't had this type of competitive depth. I mean, you told me this last year. Right. I don't defensively. The depth isn't isn't where Vanderbilt is is the strongest at. But I think this season you look at that cornerback position. You like what you got. 
but you also haven't seen anything really, you know, that you can go, okay, this guy is a lockdown corner. He's our starter. He's our guy. Or on, on either side. So cornerback is a question, but it's not, okay, who's going to start, right? I mean, I think we I think we could guess who's going to start, but who's going to finish the season? I, th- I think that's, that's a bigger question. So, and then at safety, Chris, you mentioned it. We know what, what Mahoney's going to give us. You know what uh, Dericky Wright's going to give you. Uh, Jeffrey Hugo, obviously you mentioned Nickel. I've seen him at anchor under, you know, right behind C.J. Taylor. So I, I think Taylor has been a huge mentor for him. Uh, you've also got Savion Riley, Sandy Iniola. I mean, I think there are pieces that that they have began the development for that that they're excited about. Um, and and but Chris, we talk about the boundary. Boundary is a big buzzword uh, for Clark Lee and and that coaching staff. That's the biggest question for for me this season. Mm-hmm. What do they have at corner, and and you know, how do they does the, do their performances change? This season, or or is it? Does it stay the same as last year? They continue to struggle against faster teams offensively because Chris, that South Carolina game, Rattler boundary, boundary, boundary. I mean that that they every almost every play. Now they'd run the ball a little bit, yeah. but they said we are going to kill Vanderbilt on the boundary, and they did. Now Tennessee, it was wet, it was rainy. They they ran the ball, but that that's that's something they have to solve. I don't know that they can. But can they alleviate it? Because I think if they can alleviate it a little bit, that will play a factor in some of these games. Yeah, I would be a little more pessimistic than you are in terms of corner. I, I don't I don't know that they've got players. They have athletes, right? And and there's a long way from taking an athlete and making them into a corner. I think they are faster and more athletic there based on what Clark Lee recruited as opposed to what Derek Mason recruited. But you know, you but still young. You you miss something free pre snap and the guy across the line he scrimmage from you is is as fast as you are and he gets an angle and it's over. So to me it's 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 taking the the athleticism and turning it into something. So let's go from there to to linebacker and and also mention C.J. Taylor who's half safety half linebacker I guess is a good way to put it. Um, Best player on the team. I, I don't know what more ground we can cover with him. He dominated this time a year ago. You could see he was going to be a player if he got a chance. That came to fruition. Uh, I think linebacker's interesting. And and I think if you want – I don't do this. I just was never as big – a lot of times when, when people leave, ah, he wasn't really that good. I was never as big of an Anthony Orgy fan as a lot of people were. Um, I know that he was one of the SEC's tackle leaders. I just didn't see a guy that – that dominated games. And man, I have seen some linebackers at Vandy. You know, Zach Cunningham, Jamie Winborn, Jamie Duncan. They've had a lot of dudes over the years. Um, you know, and, and several more good ones too that, that I didn't mention, and great ones even. I never saw that in Anthony Orgy. And and sure enough, he he ran well at Pro Day. There was talk he's gonna be a third rounder, didn't get drafted, right? Now signed a PFA contract with the Saints, and, and I'm guessing he's going to get a shot to play in the league just on athleticism. Um, but excuse me, had to had to mute for a sneeze there. I I think that that's one. I, I don't know that the loss there, how detrimental that is. Uh, they've got Langston Patterson, who I really like. I'm interested to see if he steps up and gets a role. They've got Kane Patterson, who's going to start. They've got Ethan Barr, who's played a lot of ball. And they added Prince Colley, who is the only guy that I know of 
that was ever rated a five-star recruit by anybody on the roster. So seeing how the linebacker core plays out and, and who gets time and, and to me is is one thing that's probably been under-discussed, at least on my end. Yeah, it'll be interesting, Chris. I, I think I just mentioned with with the the corner the, the cornerbacks in the safety position, Clark Lee will reward the veterans who have stuck with the program, yada, 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 right? At the linebacker position, you could have a similar situation where maybe at the start of the season, you have Ethan Barr uh, starting at at, uh, at one of the inside linebacker spots and then Kane Patterson. So Barr and Patterson to start. But they're so rotational there, Chris. I mean, you saw last year, they, I mean, it was a, it was another guy almost, you know, seemingly every two or three snaps. So I think they like being able to do that, you know, to give uh, to give those guys, those starters a rest. You can bring in a guy like a Prince Collie or a Langston Patterson or a Bryce Cowan, right? I think they love if if you had if you put the truth serum on Clark Lee and said, Clark, what position group are you the most comfortable with? Probably say linebacker. I mean that that's. That's an impressive group, Chris, and I know I've, you know, I've, I've been high on that group, and, and most of these position groups, I've, I've found some, some positive uh, ways of thinking for them, but it's, it's hard to deny the, the, the proven depth at that linebacker room. I mean, first look at a guy like a Kane Patterson. He was at Clemson, and he was expected to start, I think, if at Clemson that next year, but he went to Vanderbilt, ended up playing uh, obviously a decent amount alongside Anthony Orgy. Ethan Barr, you you know, he's not the most athletic, but he knows the defense. He's smart. He's tough. Clark Lee likes that. But Langston Patterson and, and, and Bryce Cowan, I think how much do those guys uh, get in this season? That That's something that I'm looking forward to watching. So, Chris, it's there's not much else to say about that linebacker group. Again, if you put a true serum to this coaching staff, they would probably say that group is is uh, is is definitely the strongest on on the team. Yeah, didn't even mention Bryce Cowan, so thanks for catching that. They're very high on Bryce Cowan. I haven't seen the, the domination on the field maybe yet to to match some of the hype, but that that's one to watch too. Now, rotation. Look, this is where James Franklin got Vanderbilt better in a hurry. That was having seven, eight, nine guys who could play at an SEC level. Now, not a lot of, a lot of them were stars, but they could play enough to rotate, and they didn't get embarrassed on the defensive line for the first time in forever. That to me would be the thing to watch this year because you got a you got an interesting mix here. You, you got guys like Nate Clifton, and Nate Clifton is never a guy that that you drive home talking about. Oh, look what Nate Clifton did today, blowing up this. But you you would go check the snap counts on Pro Football Focus and, and the grades, and he just was solid. It would would play a lot of snaps, would get graded well for things, and and I think he's starting for a reason. He he does the stuff that he's supposed to do that that people don't notice. You got Christian James, who I thought took a step up last year in fall camp. He'll, he'll help. You got the young kids. Wataha, I believe is how you pronounce it, the, the German kid who just blew up practice early last year uh, in fall camp, kind of hit a wall and played some, but not a lot. And then you've got Agu and Diakate on the edge, guys that I think will help them. Agu in particular is, is a guy with some talent. You've got the the return of uh, oh good grief the edge guy Billy who got hurt Miles Capers last Capers, year yep uh, was going to start a year ago I I don't know that Miles I, I think people have talked Miles Capers up as if he was this huge pass rush presence that that really they were was going to have a huge I don't know if it would have been that we just didn't see he was the best they had at the time 
uh, and a guy that I've always thought ran really well since the moment he got on campus. So what does that look like year two from recovered from, from knee surgery when, again, he got hurt, I think, early August. So first year back from knee surgery, I would probably temper expectations. Oh, Davion Davis is back in the middle of the line. Yep. That's a guy who played, I think, three or four snaps all year. Would have started not a different, not not a not like a game breaking guy, but he's a he's a guy who was good enough to start for them before. And again, depth piece going to help you somewhere. They're starting to put together some more pieces up front now. Is there a is there a star in there? I don't know, but it, it looks a little bit more like what it should look like. I think. Yes, I mean last season Capers was a blow just. Because of you know they had they had planned at least I think Chris for him to start uh, and and be their their edge guy and and their dude this year again he might not start out the season as the guy just because he is coming off that injury but that's why they brought in Aeneas DeCosmo from from Stanford a guy that uh, that produced there I mean he was a good player at Stanford so and they call that the star position uh, you know the the one of the edge guys uh, in the middle Chris Otaha I mean that's a that's one of the bigger guys I've ever seen in a Vanderbilt uniform. I mean, I, it, it's 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 almost it's almost weird seeing seeing Vanderbilt have that big of a defensive line presence. Now, when you compare them to the other SEC guys, Georgia has about seven or eight of those, right? And you know, same with with Alabama, Tennessee, and most other SEC schools. Vanderbilt's got one of those guys, right? Just one of those monsters up the middle that can clog the run game. Christian James, of course, is back. And uh, he was a guy late in the season last year, Chris, that that stepped up and, and started making some plays for them. I, I look back at that Kentucky game. I think he had a big sack in that Kentucky game. Devin Lee is a guy that, again, I think was banged up last year. You mentioned him, Chris, up the middle. Davion Davis also up the middle. Darren Agu uh, on the edge on that other side. Uh, Nate Clifton also on the edge there with, with Agu. Bradley Mann is a guy that uh, I saw a picture of him a few days ago, Chris, Looks a lot bigger. So I, I think that, that some of the development of some of these guys, you know, from fans, you know, I, I don't I don't know if fall camps will be available for, for fans. I guess they'll have some scrimmages that uh, might might potentially be available. But if, I think Bradley Mann's a guy that some fans might go, wow, he's uh, he's he's put on some pounds. He's grown and uh, he's definitely put on some muscle. So that, that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, man, a kid who got hurt last year. Now you've got some admirers in the back. Yeah, I've got I've got some Danny fans behind me, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but uh, yeah, man, man got hurt. It'll be interesting to see how he comes out. DeCosmo, I'm glad you mentioned him. I totally forgot about him. Last year at Stanford, played 12 games, 13 tackles, 13 assists, two and a half for loss, a sack and a half, a pass breakup. The year before, he played 10 games, had a couple of tackles. Looked like he was mostly a special teams contributor. So, DeCosmo will be, what, a fifth-year in college football guy, but he's really only played a lot on defense one year, and and Stanford wasn't very good. So, how much does he help this year? I I don't know, but certainly a a body. Okay, we're almost at an hour. We've not gotten to the mailbag. So, I will let you, if you are able, can you pull up the questions from the board and read those? Yes, I can. I'll let you. I'll let you look that up, and this will be our reminder that our mailbag is presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell. That number six one five eight four six sixty two hundred. See what your rights are and if they can help. All right, I'll just let you read off the questions and tell us who presented the question. And by the way, if you want to ask a question, we take all these on our premium board. Uh, 
people have asked me before. I've never done a good job of pointing this out. The way you get a question in to the podcast is you subscribe to our site, go to the War Room, and we start a question thread for most of the podcast. So that's where we pull these from. And Bill, I'll, I'll just have you read these off in the order that you want to address them. Or, or you can ask me and I'd start. You can give your two cents as well. Today's mailbag, sponsored by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. All right, Chris, from Ann Arbor Door, how do special teams look? Uh, punting looked good, and, and well, of course, we, we haven't started fall camp. Um, but I mean, punting looked as good as it did a year ago in the spring. No, the kicking was, it depended on what day you showed up and, and they right. don't do a lot in the return game. So I, I would presume we'll still see McGowan and, and probably Shepard out there mostly to catch punch then returning. But I think that that's a great point because Brock Taylor has got a chance to win a job. Their fr- true freshman kicker. Uh, because that they really they, the first couple weeks last year they looked okay in the kicking game and boy it really dropped off a cliff at at the end of spring so that's one I'll be watching. Yeah, they brought in Jacob Borsilla from Kansas, um, a guy I think he was banged up last year with Kansas. You know, I don't know if you'd say him a, he's a proven guy, but he's you know he's made some field goals in his day. So I think you know he's a guy to watch. Will Ferris as well at that the, the kicker battle is one of the more intriguing battles of the offseason, really, Chris. Uh, of course, so Hayball, we know what he's doing at punter. You mentioned McGowan and Shepard uh, also at the return team. Okay, next question. Going into camp, this is from C- Theodore Eight. Going into camp, what position group besides quarterback do you think is the bellwether for how well this team can do this season? Well. If you want to take the a team as only as strong as its weakest link approach, that's got to be corner, right? Yes. I, I would agree. I just think corner and Chris, when when the opponent is watching film of Vanderbilt defensively, b- boundary is a buzzword for that offense too, right? That's that's where we're going to attack Vanderbilt. And, and Vanderbilt knows that, right? It's not a secret. It's not a secret to Vanderbilt. It's not a secret to their opponent. So I would agree. I think cornerback, specifically that boundary slot corner, Mahoney's going to have to help out, right? Some of the other positions, safety, there's some pressure on the safeties, right? Because of some of the weaknesses there at corner. All right. uh, Harley Hog 44. Chris, you have been to many of these. Every year we get excited talking to fall camp. We also get the defense is better or the offense is better. What stands out this year compared to most? Well, I hope you don't get as much of that from me because I always try to temper my statements with well, they're they're playing against Vandy. So, I mean, look, here's where here's and this well, is preempting the question. Well, it it does, and this is I think you a you, you do have a little bit of an idea after you've covered a lot of these um, when guys just can't play or when a guy's taking a step up because you're comparing him against himself from previous years. So I'm, I'm not saying you can't tell. I mean, again, these are, I don't know if people thought the mailbag was going to be, we'll be answering these after we've seen camp or what, but it's just, it's hard to say what he was wanting to know. Yeah. He's asking, he said every year we get excited about, about fall oh, camp. Okay. We, also, we also get the defense is better or the offense is better. Right now. I think he's saying in, in reference to some of the reports, yeah. I guess before fall camp, what I don't know if there's any. I mean, we talked about the storylines that that stand out to us, so uh, we probably already answered that question. I would guess. 
Uh, he yeah. also said he named a few below here. Uh, attitude of players and coaches, better athletes in key positions, player strength, conditioning, better preparation from summer. So, um, yeah, I'm sure in, in two weeks we'll be answer, we'll be able to answer that uh, that question a little bit a little bit better. Uh, let's see. Cortez James asks, what position group do you feel is being overlooked the most? Hmm. And, and he chimes in. He says, personally, I'd say the D-line. I can't remember a time we've had so much depth, not to mention if Davis is able to return to peak form, I think this group is going to shock the world. That was my first gut for the reasons he basically outlined. I just think there's a little bit more depth. Again, I don't think it's going to be a world-beating group, but I think that – let me find this too. Oh, hang on, Billy. Against the run the last couple years, okay? And again, these are running plays. They take sacks out. Yards per rushing play, 2018, five and a half yards per carry. 2019, 5.8. 2020, 6.3 yards. Of course, that was an SEC-only schedule. Clark Lee's first year, 2021, 5.8. Last year, 5.6. So you've seen the, the yards per rushing play start to tick down a little bit again. I would say that 2020, some of that was just the the product of playing a bunch of SEC teams and not having an FCS team in there to uh, to, to you know, give you a, a big shot in the arm on, on your stat sheet against the run. But statistically, at least, there's been a little bit of improvement. I would, I would think you would start to see, if you can get under five yards of run play this year, that's still not good, but but, boy, it would help a lot. Yeah, and Chris, I'll, th- I'll throw out another position group, the offensive line. Uh, Vanderbilt loses only Jacob Brammer and Ben Cox. They've got four starters back, 81 career starts. And, you know, I think if you would have asked A.J. Blazik uh, after last season, hey, you've got four starters back, he'd be really excited about that. And, and so I, I throw the offensive line out there as maybe a, team, uh, a position group that's being overlooked. All right. Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Did, did they really lose Ben Cox? I don't remember him playing a lot well, last year. I guess he um, did. He I mean, it, he was on the team, but I didn't think he played. I just think it was maybe forgettable. But yeah, I, it was a medical medical retirement. I, I think potentially that might have been uh, might have been his okay. his uh, exit. But but yeah, all right. Blackout door. Any concerns about AJ Swan and concussion history? I, I think I think that's an obvious yes, and we you know, we talked about that. Uh, and he also asks, how likely is Ken Seals to see a snap this year? And we, I, I literally answered the, those two questions about, and I think you would agree with this, Chris, right? Ken Seals will most likely play. Now, how much? We we don't know that yet. Uh, but could, going off of last year, that, that was an issue, c- keeping Swan healthy. But, Chris, I, I look back and I don't even know. I mean, how how much of it was luck of the draw and, and Swan just, you know, falling to the ground uh, in, in a way that, I don't know if it's unlucky or do you do you look at that lack of protection last year? Your guess is as good as mine. I just um, I don't know if it's as as hint, I don't know if if you can blame the offensive line as much as some people are last year with, with those injuries. Well, now, look, they did they did protect. By the way, I looked at Ben Cox. Ben Cox played five games and two hundred forty snaps. They were early. And I think he was a guy that in fall camp we kind of maybe flagged as a position of concern. So it, it felt like I barely remember Ben Cox being a part of the team last year. And I guess it's just because out of sight, out of mind. I, th- I think he, I right, think he yeah. got hurt. He, he he fell off and didn't play. 
But let me pull this up on sacks here because they were, I believe last year they were markedly better at yes, not giving up sacks. And I've got to find the data. So bear with me for just a minute. Okay, sacks the last few years. And again, this is going to, number of pass plays against you is going to sort of dictate this some. Yeah, so sacks dropped to just 15 last year. Uh, Yeah, I was thinking the year before. Yeah, let me let me let me give you the last five years totals again. I'm I'm sorry for filibustering here. Uh, 2018, 22, 2019, 28, 2020 they 19, 27 allowed in 2021, and again, like you said, 15 last year. So um, they did do a, a decent job of protecting the passer. Uh, of course, Mike Wright was in there. That probably accounted for some escapability. That that yes. Shows up that we credit the offensive line for, but but whatever. I mean, again, more more guys back that have played is going to help. Let's see. We talked about Miles Capers. FHU Door had a question about him. Uh, is he one hundred percent? And what will his role be this fall? I mean, we we don't know. We'll we'll probably know Wednesday if he's if he's one hundred percent or not. So yeah. uh, we'll uh, we'll, we'll uh, table that for later in the week. Uh, TB Graham, are we bigger and stronger and faster? I mean, I would say me, would, me, yeah. and you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little smaller and a little faster than I was a year ago. I don't I'm, know about you. I'm definitely not stronger, but maybe just as fast. <laughs> I was coming off big time surgery this time a year ago. Like I was, I was rehabbing in fall camp. Uh, so, but no, I mean, no. To, seriously, yeah. um, that's. Maybe that's, that's another. That's, kind of, that's that's the thing that everybody makes fun of. Everybody goes to camp, and and this guy's bigger, stronger. Every, I mean, but and the thing I always say: you look across, you know, to, to Memphis, to Knoxville. Everybody is going to have improved as a football player because that's what you do. You're in the weight room. Football's kind of your job. Um, if if everybody's not a little bigger, stronger, faster, then then you're probably in trouble. Uh, but. <laughs> Compare that to everywhere else. So I, I never use that as much of a benchmark for guys improving or teams improving unless it just really pops off the page. All right, here's a good one, Chris. Go doors 94. Where do we rank talent? We as in Vanderbilt. Where does Vanderbilt rank talent-wise in the SEC? And which of Vanderbilt's players could start on other league teams? I think this is a good one. Yeah, I think there's still 14. Uh, I I don't know who you put them ahead of at this point. I mean, I think I think the team that they're going to be competing for to get out of the basement is Florida. But you go back and look at recruiting rankings. Florida's got higher rated players than they've got. A lot of that's usually based on athleticism. Now I think the thing they're closing the gap. I think, um, and, and it's one thing to be if you're last by because you're like, well, if you're 14th, how can you win games? And I've said this for years. You win games by being prepared, by by getting in the ballpark, being prepared, not shooting yourself in the foot. And what happened? They closed the gap last year in terms of athleticism and things. And and some days that showed up and they beat Florida and Kentucky. And some days it didn't show up. And you could see how glaringly lacking they were when they played Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee. So, But again, the year before, they don't win a conference game. The year before that didn't win a conference game. They didn't have the players – 
and the stuff to be in the ballpark of winning games. They close the gap. You, look, you can still – Vanderbilt's probably never going to be more than 11 or 12 in that category, even if Clark comes in and really gets it rolling. Other teams are going to recruit better. But if you can get to 11 or 12, look, you're already winning games with the least athletic bunch in the league. You won two a year ago. So I'd say closing the gap, that, that's what I pay attention more to than where do they rank. And I, I still – I just can't rank them at more than more than 14. I mean, if, if I miss somebody – Tell me, but I, I just don't see them still having the, the athleticism exactly on par with even the bottom of the league. And I would agree, Chris, but if you flip that question and say, where does Vanderbilt rank culture-wise in the SEC? Oh, might, might they're, be top they're up half. there. I mean, so that that's yeah. why, that's, that's how they got those two wins last year, right? Chris, that Florida team didn't want to be there. That Kentucky team did not want to be in the freezing cold at their home stadium. Vanderbilt won those games with culture. Now, the talent gap, yes, it's, it's, it's getting smaller, but in terms of talent, they're still 14th, I think, in the SEC. His second question, which of Vanderbilt's players could start on other league teams? I think you'd agree with me, Chris, here, Will Shepard and C.J. Taylor. Uh, I think yeah. A.J. Swan maybe in two years could be a guy, but I, I would go Shepard and Taylor. Yeah, I would think Hernandez could start. There's a market for guys that yes. played – three years of starting centers. I'm just not an expert on offensive line, so I'm not going to speculate there much more. A de- defensive line, uh, again, they're they're deeper. I mean, Darren Agu might could start for somebody just based on talent alone. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about Devin Lee. That's another guy that I, I think yeah. Devin Lee, if he's, if he's healthy, you know, Mike could start on a lower half SEC team. Uh, maybe Davis. Um, linebacker, I mean, I think that, Several of their linebackers on the right team could get some starts. C.J. Taylor could start for a lot of places. Uh, Jalen Mahoney could start for a lot of places. There, there's some guys here. I mean, I think if you'd asked me this question two years ago, I would have – A.J. Swan could could start. I think you mentioned him. I, I would have – a couple of years ago, that, that, this is the problem. That's what I warned everybody about with Clark. I said, don't expect them to come in here and work miracles early because I just don't see the players. You saw how that showed up in week one. I had issues naming guys a couple of years ago. Like, who would play anywhere else? Now you can at least name some guys and maybe squint and name some others, and again, that's progress. And there's more guys that would be in the rotation at a at a you know at other SEC schools, right? And, and those I say yeah. other SEC schools, an Ole Miss, right? Uh, an Arkansas, a Florida, maybe that, maybe not Georgia and Alabama, but you've got some guys that. You know, if they were at South Carolina, I mean, look at Elijah McAllister, Chris. Yeah. I know Auburn is, you know, they're closer to Vanderbilt than they are to Alabama, but that's still Auburn, right? And they just hired Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze brought McAllister with him to Auburn. So I think there's some guys like that where you might be surprised that Vanderbilt has more of those than we thought. Uh, but yeah. there's, I say that tongue in cheek, right? It's, it's, you know, McAllister is, Auburn is struggling in terms of talent as well. But I think that says something about, you know, some of the extra development Clark Lee was able to give for McAllister. Uh, I've got one more about the receivers. Well, well, hey, let me let me follow up. And maybe I've maybe I've undersold them a little bit. McAllister's a good one you bring up. By the way, that guy got his graduate degree yes. um, at, at Vandy and is working on a doctoral degree. I talked to him, uh, said hello to him. He remembered me. We had a nice chat off camera last week. So really rooting for Elijah McAllister to do well. Just a classy kid. Uh, Gabe Judy Law, and here's another Gabe Judy Lawley. I think started for BYU a year ago. Uh, yeah. you know, when he left, I wasn't like, well, that's going to be a killer. 
and now is going to be a, a backup at Tennessee that's that's going to see some time. So may, maybe I undersell these guys a little bit, but I mean, I, I don't know how much I could have undersold. And this is, you know, this is a program that lost twenty six straight SEC games. So yeah, I don't I don't know how much you you undersold them there. Uh, Chris, I think we talked a lot about the receivers, but last one from Woody VU sixty six. Besides Shepard, who steps up this year? McGowan has legit SEC speed. Skinner has SEC talent, but both are very inconsistent, which I think you know is true at least by last year's standards. Do any of these receivers become a consistent threat other than Shepard this year? Well, I pose that a question is the first of the podcast, and I really mean it that way. I don't have the answers there. I'm I'm yeah. just kind of going there with with mine not made up to see who pops. And I don't, I don't have, I mean, maybe Jaden McGowan steps up having been through a year of it and, and gets a little better. Again, I, I think to me, to me, the most likely answer is, is Skinner and Carter because they both popped at times, particularly Skinner's probably done it more, but uh, in terms of making a prediction, I just can't give you one and be very honest with it. Well, and a big reason for that, Chris, I think, is because McGowan, you saw some flashes last year, but you also saw some inconsistencies with ball control. Quincy Skinner, you saw some, I don't know, you saw flashes, but you didn't, there wasn't a a three or four week span where you saw Skinner or McGowan really step up yet. So we just haven't seen it. And so that's, I'm with you on that. Now, you know what you're getting in Shepard. And what if you mentioned that in the question, but. Do one of those guys get passed as well? Like, that's another – like, Gamera and Carter, does he end up – they're just similar yeah. to the running back position. You know, I, I, there, there's a, there's some questions to be answered in terms of who steps up, right, and we just don't know yet. Yeah. And but what we do know, uh, it, I'll, I'll be big – I'll be stronger and faster heading into fall camp, and I hope you will be too. <laughs> yeah, use the, the treadmill behind you. It's calling your name, Chris. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get in a workout, I think, today. There you go. Uh, I think I might, I might get him some morning runs before we start covering these two, which I couldn't really do very well a year ago. So, yeah, I'll yeah. Uh, but, I'll, I'll, I'll get in the weight room as well. And uh, Billy, Billy's going to be going out there with me most days. I think we're going to have Wednesday covered. Um, Wednesday Thursday. I'll be there, and then uh, I will be back next week. I won't be there this weekend, but I'll be back next week. Yeah, I'm not sure we'll have Thursday covered this week. Um, Maybe Just, we'll get Luke over there. I've got I've got child watching responsibilities. Although I've got I've got a plan to get around that, but we'll see if I can can make it work. We'll see. But in any case, uh, Billy, looking forward to doing these fall camp. I'm guessing we might do one or two of these a week. Again, we're going to be posting daily observations on the board from those. Uh, but when we get into the season, you're going to really see the roll out the content. And again. Just so blessed and excited to have you here. This is going to be, if all goes according to plan, the best season of the podcast yet. Yeah, and that fires me up, Chris. I think I, I want to say Vanderbilt fans are excited as well. Um, you know, and Vanderbilt is is a team. Is they're one of the more intriguing teams in the SEC. I mean, Chris, we talked and I wrote about this uh, after media days about the change in perception of of, uh, of Vanderbilt. I mean that. All of a sudden, last week, there was some interest, more interest than I expected uh, in this program. I think large part due to the construction, the latest, the, the picture that was released, whether it's good or bad publicity, it's publicity. And there things are happening that we haven't seen in yeah. a long time, Chris. So and I think that that times up well with our coverage 
of this program. Now, of course, we're covering basketball and baseball as well. Football's the monster, right, in the SEC in the mm-hmm. South, Chris. And I think Vanderbilt likes where they are right now. So, uh, and I think fans should like where this coverage is. I love where the coverage is, Chris. It's like uh, it's like fall camp is getting started for us. We we, we feel bigger, faster, and stronger. Uh, but we'll see. We'll we'll see if we can uh, become consistent and produce uh, this year for uh, for Vandy Sports and Vanderbilt fans. I'm confident we can. Uh, but again, stay stay with us. Uh, VandySports.com. Chris, subscribe if if you haven't subscribed. And uh, not you, Chris, and I know you're on the board, but fans, if you, if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, go subscribe because it's the best coverage you've seen. And uh, I think we're confident in that. So uh, that uh, that in itself, Chris, is exciting. And that's also how we pay the bills. We've got a couple of sponsors that are coming on board with us. We are going to announce soon, uh, working on some more. So again, if you were inclined to help, uh, we would very much appreciate that. If you've got a business or a cause that you'd like some advertising for we're here to do that if you just want to make a donation again we will have uh, pretty shortly uh, a plan up for people to to be able to give there i've just got to figure out what's the right one and and all those things and i haven't had time to do that but in any case um thank you for listening to and watching us today again we're doing this around noon on monday we will have more coverage coming up of fall camp which starts wednesday we'll probably have something up on the board i'm going to say around maybe two central our first practice report depending on when we can get that up we'll have some video coming from camp of our interviews with coaches and players best way to get that hit the subscribe button to our youtube channel and by the way rate and subscribe our podcast too uh, give us a five-star review say some nice things that really helps us get noticed for billy Derek, i'm chris lee thank you for listening to and watching the vandy sports podcast and we will see you again very soon